From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, we are with you again and I'm excited. Okay, I need to present or introduce some people that are around this table with me. To my left, Natalie Franco. Hi guys. To her left, AJ Fry. Hi, guys. In a wonderful sporting Kansas oh, City jersey. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Represent. Yes, soccer. Okay. And, or football, if wherever you're from. And across <laughs> the table from me and looking with a look of appeasement, I don't know, uh, is Emily Amusement? Armstrong. Hey, everyone. <laughs> People are like looking up appeasement right now. And to my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, did you know you can hear a blue whale's heartbeat from more than two miles away? Really? Two miles. Un- under the ocean. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to say under the sea. Uh, but then <laughs> under the sea. Now we have to copyright. It's <laughs> true. I wanted to say under the sea. <laughs> no, you didn't. You just yeah. had a dead stop and I, I knew know. exactly what you were saying. Under the sea? <laughs> under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for this is because the whale's heart weighs 400 pounds. Shut up. It's a double pounds. fun fact. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's true. You were just going to save that for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I double deckered it. <laughs> double down. <laughs> double deckered. <laughs> she went to London and got on a bus. <laughs> Somehow, some way, that perfectly segues us into what we've been thinking about, I think, I think, because Emily has told me what she is thinking about. And Emily, why don't you start us, before we even talk about every person, what they're thinking, I think we should just say, remember that when we dedicate an entire episode to what we've been thinking about, the ideas that they would have to do with something that we've been learning or something especially that deals with missions or God or the church or whatever. But basically, it's an excuse for us all to say we have been experiencing life and we want to tell you about it. So, Emily, take it away. Great. Well, I have been thinking about whale watching, which oddly enough, Chelsea, I think she's been thinking about it as well because of that fun fact, but also because we just got back from a, like, I would say a mini vacation. I wouldn't say it was like full-blown vacation, but um, we spent uh, with the fries and our children, we went out to Samana, which is on the coast here in the Dominican Republic. And we intentionally went out in the first week of March because we wanted to see whales. And we've lived here for seven years now, a little over seven years. And every year it comes around, you can go January, February, or March. But if you miss that window, you can't do it any other time of year. And our kids are always in school and we've never been able to do it. But this year, because of COVID, we were able to take some time out because they were doing school online and they could do that wherever they wanted to do it. And so we all went up there and Samana is a place where they expect to have over 2000 whales come into Samana Bay over that course of time. And they have their babies there and they also mate there and then they leave and then they come back the next year. So whether they're mating or they have a baby, there is something that happens. And so when I first was looking into uh, going whale watching, I looked into like the um, tour companies that do it. And one of the tour companies said you will see whales 
or your next trip is free. Like the next, and nice. I was like, whoa, okay. Like this, this is getting my attention because Scott and I have whale watched before. Quote, unquote. Yes, yes, in the air quotes that <laughs> you can't see. It was such a disappointment. And we didn't see like anything and Scott hated it. And I was like, it's gotta be so much better. They're offering a money back guarantee basically. So we, on Saturday, we went and we got in this gigantic like boat that has been made to watch whales and there was a marine biologist on board and they were telling us all about it. And uh, we literally went with this high level of anticipation of seeing at least one whale, right? Like <laughs> there was a high level of anticipation of seeing one. Hopefully we see at least one. And we ended up seeing, I didn't do a final count. I don't know if any of you guys did a final count. I think we saw like eight Eight to ten, probably. Eight to ten different whales, but right. like the yeah. actual sightings, sometimes we would see the same whale right. five times, multiple or times. Yeah. So we saw things. Um, we saw a mom with her baby that were swimming by. We saw when they came up to the surface and were um, getting air, which is when you see that spurt, you know, a spurt of water that's out. We saw one like way far away. I kind of wish it was a little bit, for, a little bit closer. That was like hitting its fin on the water and like it was trying to communicate, which is why it's interesting to me that you can hear a heartbeat for two miles away because like they're literally communicating with each other. And the most awesome part is there was literally a whale that was probably only like 50 feet from the boat and it jumped out of the water which is called breaching and it did it twice and it was right in front of us How so cool. and scott was like so excited like i have never <laughs> seen that level of excitement and we've been married for 20 years and um and it was amazing to me. And as we were like, we finished up that day and we can show you pictures. And it was so exciting. I would 100% recommend it. But I've been thinking about it because I literally think I'm going to preach a sermon on it sometime. Because I've been thinking about this way that we were anticipating seeing whales. Like we knew it was going to be amazing. We had seen pictures of what it could be like. We had been reading. We had been doing like all of this research on it. So we went with this high expectation. But then like when we saw saw it, it was more amazing than like what our brains could have even captured, right? And I remember telling Sydney on our way back, our daughter, I said, I'm going to preach about this. And she goes, of course you are. Like I preach about <laughs> everything, right? And she said, well, what would you preach about? And I said, I think this is how we walk with God sometimes. I said, how exciting would Christian life be mm -hmm. if we literally went into every single day seeking God, knowing that he's amazing. We've read about him in the Bible. We've, we've heard the stories. We know that he's amazing amazing. But then like when he jumps up out of the water and he does something amazing in our life, it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was just a part of that. And, and I just think there's so much like good things that can come from correlating God with that experience. And we did that quite a few weeks ago now, and it's still sticking with me. And I just, I think that we can learn as Christians that if we go in anticipating seeing God, that we're going to see him, we're going to see him at work and we're going to be amazed by him every single time we see him. So that's what I've been thinking about. Well, one thing, even as like we were getting done, I remember saying, I don't know if you remember Emily, but I said to you so much in life, over promises and mm -hmm. under delivers. Mm -hmm. And I even actually walked up and I thought I was going to like, I, I don't know, it was Whales by Kim or something like that. That was the, <laughs> the, the, the organization. Or the, like, we don't need to give any credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sponsoring this episode. Right. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But anyway, like I thought Kim was up at the front and I don't know. I just thought like, oh, th this venerable lady that was up in the front. I thought, think 
she was Kim. In my mind, I had that she was Kim. So I went up to her afterwards, and I don't think she even spoke English, so it wasn't Kim. And so I was like, <laughs> the only other person that's here after everyone is leaving the boat is the captain. And so I, I explained to him, and I was like, man, this was amazing. And just, and he's like, thanks. I mean, all I do is, you know, just, I just drive the boat. Yeah, man. exactly. But I like, I wanted to express to someone else. And like, even as you're talking, how interesting or what an interesting correlation that is to say, like, what if we experience God and it's just natural for us to be like, this was amazing. Yeah. You know, just being a Christian, just following Christ is amazing. And you have to be a part of it. And thank you to anyone who's helping me be a part of it. And it's like, instead we're kind of like, plotting away or, or, you know, it's just, Hey, we're doing the best we can. And yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that correlation, but it was honestly one of the most unbelievable memories that I'll have in my entire life. Well, cool. I think that we can go to the next person, AJ. I'm sure you're not thinking about whale watching. I am not, but that's, that reminds me of all the good times whale watching. Yes. So, so what <laughs> have you been thinking about? I have been thinking a lot about fasting actually. And it's interesting, Chelsea and I are reading a book. I think I mentioned this in the last Ben Thinking episode also. It takes a long time for them to get through books. <laughs> yes. We're only reading a chapter a month. So a, yeah. a chapter a month. Yeah, a chapter a month is what we're doing. We're reading Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, okay? And it's a good book. If you haven't read it, I recommend picking it up and reading it. There's 12 disciplines. There's 12 months in a year. We're taking one chapter a month to practice the disciplines. So right. just to clarify. I feel like you're right. defending yeah. yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But it's been really good. And I know you're not really supposed to like tell people when you're fasting. I mean, Jesus kind of says, don't like draw attention to yourself when you're fasting. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I read also while I was fasting, I read um, a devotional. I forget who the devotional was by, but they talked about the feeding of the 5,000. And they related that back to Genesis, where in Genesis, everything was created for like, the pleasure and fulfillment and sustenance of people, right? So all the food that was there was free. It was accessible. It was filling and it was good. Like it was good, right? And when they sinned, they messed everything up because now I have to bake my pizza instead of picking it up off the ground. <laughs> wait, wait, so, wait a second. <laughs> okay, we're not going to dive into that, but yes. That's Genesis 1, 2. <laughs> yes. The Lord created pizza. Yes. Anyways, so when they sinned, they messed everything up for the, for the world, right? And then food became like this thing that you had to work for. You had to work so hard for this. And people work their whole lives. They sweat, they bleed for food. And some people don't even have that much food. They spend their entire lives, 70 plus years, and they don't even have that much. Wars have been fought. People have died over food. And there are some people in the world that don't even think about food. They just, whenever they're hungry or even bored, they eat food, eat, just eat anything. And it just, like it opened my eyes to read this devotional. And while I was fasting, while I was intentionally not eating, right? Just opened my eyes to the power that food, just food has over our lives. But also the potential that food just food can have in, in showing us who God is and bringing us closer to God. The whole idea of fasting is not 
not just for physical benefit, right? It does have physical benefits. A lot of people in the secular world fast for vanity reasons because they want to lose weight or they want to get healthy or whatever. It does have those benefits. But the reason for fasting is to connect with God on a deeper level. For me personally, when I intentionally stop eating and I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about not eating, right? But then every time I think about food, I have to intentionally think also not, not only not to eat, but how God sustains me. How do I see God at work in my life? Or how, what do I need to work on in my life in order to be closer with God? And this, this physical hunger inside of me is the, like the trigger, the reminder that God and his word are what builds me up or what lifts me up is what is keeping me alive. He gives me breath, right? And a lot of times I go through the day and I don't even think about that. But to take the time to intentionally think about God, it sounds so like fundamental, right? <laughs> As a Christian, we should always be thinking about God. It sounds so fundamental, but it's something we often don't do is just to intentionally think about God and how he fulfills us, how he satisfies us, how he sustains us. But then to learn from that also, the whole process of learning to fast has just really opened my eyes to, again, fundamentals of who God is and who I am because of God, who I am in Christ. So obviously, like you mentioned, to talk about fasting Literally, the Bible says, don't tell people you're fasting and all that. But like, I think it's okay to talk about this. So have you as a couple then specifically in the past month or something been really focused on fasting a certain day or? Yeah. So I, that was one thing we were, we're kind of playing around with it, right? <laughs> Trying to, to discover what this whole fasting is because fasting is not a part of our Christian culture anymore. I think for some people it is, but for me, it wasn't for us. It wasn't. And so we read that, you know, fasting on a regular schedule. So we're taking Tuesdays. Most of the time it's Tuesdays and sometimes Thursdays. Personally, I'm kind of working up to a three-day fast, a full three-day fast. I'm not there yet. I've done two <laughs> meals. Okay. So I've only fasted two meals, but it's different because we've done the, what is it? World Vision does like a 30-hour famine right. and they have this whole program. It's a, it's a wonderful program. Um, we did this with our teens in Florida. And you take 30 hours, you're fasting, but they have like devotionals, they have videos, they have games, they have questions to think about. And it's all geared to thinking about hunger and how hunger affects the world, right? But when I'm doing a regular fast, like I don't have all these videos and, and presentations and games and things to keep my mind occupied, right? I'm doing regular day-to-day -day things. And for me at the moment, it's a lot of times on my computer. So I'm not even physically active. And so the, I feel the hunger a lot more, like I'm more pr present about my hunger and even so much harder to like resist the urge. Cause every time I made the mistake of baking bread while I was this fasting. Was very dumb. Yeah. Our entire <laughs> house smelled like bread. It was so delicious. On a day you were fasting. On a day AJ was fasting. Yes. Yes. Someone had to taste the bread. <laughs> you, oh, oh, you You're took welcome. one for the team. I see. <laughs> I don't recommend doing that. Make, breaking bread while you're fasting. That's not recommended. But 
I caught myself several times, even while I was walking by the fridge or the pantry, or like when I, when I was cutting the bread and the crumb would fall off. I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat that little crumb. And I like stopped mid, like mid bite almost. And like, wait a second, I'm fasting. But what does this teach me? It taught me that I have very low self-control when there's things that are so available to me that I don't even think about them. Like I have little to no self-control of staying away from those things. Food is not bad unless you're addicted to food and then it can be bad. But for me, other addictions in my life, like I related this, this fast from food to fasting from these other addictions in my life. And it was just like this light bulb went off. It was like, I have no self-control. And so for me, another part of this fasting exercise that I'm doing is to let God teach me that self-control and kind of breathe in his spirit of self-control and hopefully gain more self-control so that I don't have to do a fast whenever I want to resist such and such temptation or whatever thing I'm addicted to. Well, this is important. Obviously, this is a, an episode where we're kind of going from one topic to another, but I know, Emily, you would have a lot to say on this, uh, and maybe we can do that in the future. But really, it is kind of counterintuitive to think about denying yourself something so that you can focus on something else. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's logical, but it, it does seem a little counterintuitive. And and I think that is what fasting is. You know, every time we're like, oh, I'm lacking this basic thing I need, you know, and I want. But why am I doing that? To be more in tune with what God wants to say to me or to do through me or something like that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, like you just said, we could do a thousand podcasts probably on fasting. Uh, the one thing that I think is really important in the church today, especially, is exactly what AJ said of it's not a part of our Christian culture. When we read it in the Bible, Jesus says, when you fast, mm-hmm. yeah. make sure, right? And so like, to me, I've had this conversation of like, maybe we need to be more open that I'm yeah. fasting and this is why I'm like, we don't have a, a mentality of teaching people what it means because we're so secretive about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know that that's right either. Because as a mom, I look at my kids and be like, they might not know that I'm fasting. So why would they ever bring that discipline into their life? If nobody's talking about it, why would they ever do it until they get to be a 30 or 40 year old adult and like, oh, nobody's ever taught me about fasting. Yeah, because it's so secret. Like, I think mm. that's not yeah. a good conversation to be in either, right? Like we need to find the the real balance in it. So that's a good I, point. I love that you're learning about it now, mm. but I would really hope that there's 15, 16, 17 year olds that are challenged to it because they see adults in their life. that are like, this is such a discipline that's changing my life. I think it's mm. something that in the church we could do better and not just be like, oh, it's a secret. That's not, <laughs> that's not what Jesus was getting at. He right. was like, don't draw attention to yourself. Fasting literally is to draw attention to me, you yeah. know, to God. Mm-hmm. And when you are talking about it with everybody, I'm like, oh, it's terrible. And you wear ashes and, and make sure everybody knows <laughs> you're miserable that you're missing the point of fasting but nowadays we don't even have a culture of fasting so we probably need to look at the context of why jesus said that you know and and like be able to apply it to what we're what modern world looks like nowadays thank you that's awesome uh natalie we have not heard much from you i'm in i'm (laughs) wondering what you've been thinking about in the last few weeks okay so i've been thinking of a phrase that doesn't come out of my head and my heart it is, let's cry together. And I didn't really understand why I was thinking about it so much and uh, why I started to use it for almost everything. 
And I know I am a baby crying. I <laughs> <laughs> like I really cry for even with Bob Esponja movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. We Bob. need to explain this. So in Spanish, <laughs> Bob Esponja is SpongeBob. SpongeBob so yeah. SquarePants. To this, yeah. Sponge. You just a second. Just a second. Back up. <laughs> Rewind. You cried during SpongeBob movies. <laughs> yes. It this was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was, it really was really good. good. Yeah, yes. Really good. Oh, this is great. Okay, keep going. Okay. So I know I'm a baby crying, but I, um, like, it was really unusual for me to use it for this phrase for almost everything. So I started to pray about that, and it didn't take too long for me or for other people to begin writing me um, for prayer request. Um, and even people from other congregation, they just started to approach our local church and to request also prayers for their family and for their spiritual struggles. And even in the same prayer services, I was able to see there, there was a need to pray one for the other. So since then, I have felt challenged to start a prayer campaign mm -hmm. in my local church and also on the networks with the same name, Let's Cry Together. Um, but it's way beyond just crying. It's um, like to pray for your struggles, for your losses, your discouragement, and also frustrations, and the victories as well, progress and blessings. But the main idea about this is to connect the church with the community. So I've been um, searching how to, how to make a digital and physical mailbox so we can like to i don't know create a campaign about that and to like to to find the way so others can share their problems and we can pray for them and we can you know cry together with them so i'm, I'm curious uh in spanish are you using llorar or are you using like uh, cry out more like clamar okay lloremos juntos uh -huh. oh cry. so it is cry yeah yeah Okay. That's, no, that's interesting because I think there's an element of lament. There's mm -hmm. an element of crying, literal crying. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, as I was listening to you, you're talking more about crying out also. You're talking more about really praying together and, and that word together, you know, whatever you're going through, I'm going to stand with you exactly. during this. No, actually, in Spanish, oremos, it has pray, like oremos with the double A, L. So that's why it's like, let's cry, but it's like, let's pray together. Yeah. Oh, oh I see. So you're combining the two words mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, good. That's, that's really good. I think, especially when I think about when you say like crying together, like tears crying together, I think that's good for the church to do and to realize that people do, because I feel like a, a lot of times when we go in, when I go into a church service, I feel like it's. Like, oh, everything's happy. Everything's good. I ask people how they are. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. You know, Th that's what the church is for. Like to have this safe and open space where we can, where we're going to express our sadness. You know, we're not always happy all the time. And when we are sad, we need people to come alongside of us and sometimes just cry with us. Yeah. So I, I really like, I really like that take on it too. 
I think it's interesting, Natalie, that this is something God's laid on your heart. And it's something I've been walking through as well. And even the word that Scott used of lament, like I'm literally reading a commentary on lamentations because I wanted to see what does the Bible say about, you know, literally just crying together. And that's what lamentation is. That's what lamenting is, is crying and recognizing pain. And man, if we, I feel like sometimes this year that we've gone through in the church and it's very Wesleyan to find hope in everything, right? But I think there've been some times that God's like checked me and been like, hey, Emily, remember that somebody lost their dad last year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Remember that there are entire churches that cannot meet together anymore because of COVID. Remember these things that are sad, sad things and that break my heart and let it break yours for a while. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and to me, I, I'm not good with sitting in discomfort. I, I am very much a person that wants to push to the next level and say, Hey, there's, there's hope. And that's very much a piece of my personality. And so I've, I've asked the Lord to teach me about it. So it's really uh, attention getting to me that the Lord's teaching you about it as well. And I feel like it's something when we did the mission without limits that I know we've spoken about on this podcast before I mentioned to Scott, I think we need to teach people in our missionary community, how to lament because there were times that we literally are in mission in the middle of a pandemic and we're looking for the victory story. Mm-hmm. But man, when we heard the stories from Honduras that literally right after a hurricane came through and they're digging out mud from people's homes, mm-hmm. like our missionaries, They didn't know how to express that really terrible things have happened, right? Like they just couldn't even say that they didn't know because they didn't, they didn't know how to see God at work in those things. And, um, and I just think it's, I I love that you're sitting here and saying, I feel like God's laying a ministry on my heart and on my mind. And because I think it's something the church needs. And I love to think that maybe he's moving some youth in those realms as well to say, Hey, let's, let's really figure this out. Like we're a generation that is literally going to look back on 2020, 2021, maybe 2022 and say, we figured out this lament thing and that it needs to be a part of our life. And, and God's going to make us a stronger church because of it. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm going to be praying for you that God <laughs> continues to give you strength because it's hard to sit in lament and disappointment. It's, it's very exhausting. So I'm going to mm-hmm. pray that the Lord continues to lift you up. Thank you. Not sure how to move from that or what you have for us, Chelsea, but could you kind of finish us up and tell us what you've been thinking? I've been thinking a lot about adoption. Um, so I don't know if we've shared this on the podcast, but AJ and I are in the process of adopting. And I have always known that adoption is going to be a part of my story. I didn't know how it was going to play out. I didn't know if I was going to be the one that adopted. I didn't know if I was going to be supporting adoption through something else. I just knew it was going to be involved in my story somehow. And so like when we got married... We just said, we'll just wait on the Lord's timing for all of this and we'll figure it out. Well, last year, right before the pandemic, we were like, we should probably start researching. Like we just felt this need to like look into it and see what happens and did a lot of research. And so fast forward to today, almost a year later, and we just had like a really big breakthrough this last week of like God connecting a whole lot of misplaced dots that shouldn't have been in the same room together (laughs) um, to make some things happen. And so that's exciting. But in the meantime, I have been like researching what is adoption and what are the effects of adoption. And um, I would like to hear stories of people that have gone through or experienced things. And so like I've been 
there's a lot, way too much, overwhelming amounts of information on the internet about adoptive families and adoptive parents and their stories and their testimonies and all the things. There is not a lot of information or stories from the voice of the adoptee or the first parents, so the the people who have given their child up for adoption. And I recently found a community of adoptee voices, so kids who were adopted usually as infants um, and usually from a international country. So not I'm not talking so much about like foster to adopt or same family adoption, um, but an international transcultural adoption. And a lot of the stories are really negative. And we've always known and we've always been very not naive. I don't know what the opposite is in our expectation that we're probably going to get a child with trauma. And we're probably going to need to walk through that very carefully and with a lot of intentionality. And we've already been talking about like us getting in counseling so that it's a normal in our family. We do counseling and all the things like we've been talking about it. And so we're not going to be shocked when that happens. But the interesting part, the reason it was so negative is because the loss of culture. And so again, we're talking about transcultural. So like a lot of them are children from China or Asian countries coming to the United States and losing that Asian heritage or kids from Central America losing their Latino or Hispanic culture when they come to the United States. They look one way, they act a different way. And so they don't fit into either culture and the the balance of that and the loss of identity. And so it just my brain has completely exploded in what is our identity wrapped in? What is, is, is this child who's brought from Colombia, where we are trying to adopt from, are they Colombian? Are they Dominican? Are they United States where they probably won't live? Like, what is the identity of this kid? And the importance, the thing that I have to offer to this conversation is our identity is found in Christ. And how do I teach that without sounding goody two-shoes when I'm walking with a kid who has experienced things that I will never experience? And so just trying to understand my role and my balance in what is adoption and also trying to help other people understand it is not simple. And it, and I am not a savior for doing this. I don't want to be. I hate the fact that my child's parents will give them up, like, or be forced to do so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a pretty situation. And so I want to recognize that we're talking about lament, right? Like, I, I think too often the voice and the story that I'm hearing out of the adoptive parents or the community that helps adopt the child is this like, oh, it's so great. We did a great thing. And the Lord, the scripture demands that we adopt. Like we, we are adopted and it's just this great picture, but it's, there's a lot of limit in this. And um, I just want to be sensitive to that. And so I've been, thinking a lot about like, where's my identity as someone who is a missionary living in a country that isn't my home country, um, but loving it. And when we go back to the States on our home assignment, like almost having this sad homesickness for a culture that isn't my culture. So I know that we can create a love of a different culture and a, 
and an identity in that in this kid. And so like, that's a whole lot, probably not making totally a lot of sense, but I just think that the conversation of what is adoption and how do we participate in it from a Christian perspective is so much more complex than we make it most of the time. Mm -hmm. So that's good. There is a lot there. And I've thought about dedicating an episode to third culture kids, which may some people may be listening to this and have never heard that term, but you're talking about cultures, you know, combining of cultures from parents, uh, from the child and then living in a third culture, you know? And so what does that look like? And, and then obviously the, the part of, of lament, it's interesting. Sometimes when we do these episodes on what we've been thinking about, there is kind of a common thread. I, I mean, it's interesting that we would talk about fasting and uh, crying or crying out together, but literally crying. And then, you know, the mess or the lament of even adoption, you know, uh, that God would be kind of working in all of us at the same time to bring that uh, today. I think the thing that stands out to me of what Chelsea is talking about and so vulnerable is even the concept of Christian adoption and how some of us feel like it's like our ministry. <laughs> and mm. I've thought about that with AJ and Chelsea, with regards to AJ and Chelsea, we've been walking along with them in this process for quite a while now. And, um, and literally when I pray for them, I specifically pray that they would not see this as a ministry assignment, right? Like <laughs> that God would, the, create in them a heart of parenting and and loving this child and and I think that's an interesting thing that you're talking about Chelsea because I think God has given you all and I do think he places a call on people that participate in in the process of adoption it has to be a call it has to be something that that you would literally say I'm going to put myself in in a position of potential heartbreak of of being walking alongside a, a family that is heartbroken a child that is heartbroken um, there's so many different things like you just said of of literally saying you know what god I'm here I'm here and send me. And I think that's a big piece of people that have said, Lord, send me. And and it's just another step of obedience, right? Like I think sometimes we think it has to be this huge missionary call, but there's so many things that the Lord asks all of us to do all the time that is simply just a, okay, I'm here, send me, I'm, send me. And, and God is literally sending you to a child that needs you. And, um, there is a child that needs you. I, I think about so many children that, that I saw when we went to Haiti that are a part of the orphanage system in the Church of the Nazarene. They've got certain places where there's just orphans and they literally don't have parents, literally don't have parents. And they are living on the mercy of a pastor in that community that is doing his best to provide for one meal a day, you know, for however many children there are. And, and the fact that um, God creates and knits together family that way is, is, is amazing. And it's not to say that it doesn't come without struggles because man, we, we know, we know. And I think that's one thing I appreciate about AJ and Chelsea is they are walking into this with eyes wide open. Right. And, um, and I know that you guys are going to continue to seek the Lord. And that's why I feel like, um, God is going to help you step through these things. He's not giving you the final destination. 
I've often thought that if God gives us the final destination, we won't take the first step, <laughs> right? And uh, But I have a very, very strong trust that you both are seeking God's heart in this situation. And Chelsea, I've heard you say so many times, like, well, if God wants it to happen, he's going to make it happen. Like, I don't know where the money's going to come from. And like for us, you know, you might say that, but I think that's what God needs in you guys. I think God needs you to say, I am here and willing to be used and whenever and wherever and however, like just make it happen, God. And, um, and I appreciate how much you teach us. You teach us in your, in your walk of faith as you move into forming your family this way as well. Well, this episode was a little bit heavier, possibly, than uh, some other ones that we have done, but I think it was very valuable. Emily, if people would like to talk with us, I mean, even about some of this stuff, maybe they're, they have stories of adoption. Uh, maybe they have been thinking about lament and as Christians, how often we're, times we're not comfortable with that or any of the things that we've talked about, how can they get a hold of us? The best place to find us is on our Facebook page, which is the Worthless Servants podcast. You can also find us um, with a contact tab that's on the um, website of mesoamericagenesis.org. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good. That's what we've been thinking about. And we'd love to hear from you as well. What have you been thinking about? What's God been doing in your lives? For now, we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.